I'm Cy Musiker. And I'm Adriana Kelly. And, and this, this is Curtain Call. Call, where we'll welcome 2023 with the best in theater, art, music, and poetry from Davis to Reno. Make that Elko. And this month, the highlights include the lyrics and stories of John McCutcheon, a Bob Dylan tribute, and an interview with the state's new poet laureate. And I'm so glad to welcome Adriana as co-host for the show. Thanks, I am glad to be here. Yeah, enough yakking. Let's play some rock and roll. Steel Panther is a comedy glam band gleefully stuck in 1987. Members Michael Starr, Styx Sidinius, Spider, and Satchel channel Motley Crue and Van Halen so spot on that they occasionally get confused with their heroes on the internet. But while this band has clear affection for the music they parody, they take 80s hair metal to the next level with over-the-top party tropes and happily misogynistic and filthy lyrics. That's why the song we're playing is a cover of Van Halen's Beautiful Girl. Seeing this band is going to be a blast. Yeah, as long as it's all in good taste, huh? (laughs) No chance of that. But you can glam out with Steel Panther. They play the Ace of Spades in Sacramento tonight, Friday, January 6th. And KVMR is lucky to have the great folk musician John McCutcheon playing a fundraiser. Here comes a truck full of gravel again I guess the road washed out up around the bend I can't imagine how this will end It won't be for them not trying What i cheap at the old strip site I knew it never worked but they thought it might Spent every dime trying to make it right But it's like the land is dying It was the law Cy and I talked to John a few days ago Catching him at his home in Georgia and we asked him how he got started in folk music. He said it wasn't a family thing. We barely sang in church because I was raised Catholic. I took piano lessons for a while when I was a kid, and it was like homework. It never really unlocked what music meant to me until my mother made me sit down and watch the March in Washington with her when I was 11 years old. And all of a sudden, music was connected with something really big that was happening in the world. The whole march started with Marian Anderson singing the national anthem. And then out came the folk singers. And I'd never heard of folk music. I didn't know what a folk singer was, but was connected with something bigger than yourself and something righteous. And because I came from a really religious family, the civil rights movement really resonated with me because it was led by clergy and the songs were all repurposed hymns. So it had a kind of spiritual heft to it. You know, there was Bob Dylan and Odetta and Peter, Paul and Mary and Joan Baez and Len Chandler. And it was all about servicing something bigger. And it was also about participation because everybody sang along. I mean, when Peter, Paul and Mary sang, if I had a hammer, they panned the crowd and everybody was singing. And and it just, I just thought, whoa, I want to know more about this. And my best friend happened to be watching at the same time. So right then and there, we began our campaign to try to get guitars. In fact, you, you you traveled to Appalachia in the 1970s to study with Roscoe Holcomb from Daisy, Kentucky, and other mentors. So what was the inspiration for that trip? How did you know that this was a place to go to learn more about this American folk music that you were so inspired by? 
part of it was as I started playing the guitar, I discovered that there were recordings of these people and inside the recordings were booklets that explained a little bit more about the music and had maps to people's houses. And I was young and stupid. You know, there was no no in my vocabulary. It's the audacity of youth that makes half the things in the world even possible. So what was the first song, the first song that you wrote that you thought, uh, this is a keeper? Well, I wrote some topical stuff. There was a garbage workers strike in Knoxville where I was living in the early 1970s. Pretty good song was called Give It to the Garbage Man. Give it to the garbage man and maybe he'll take it away. But the trash that comes out of City Hall gets deeper and deeper each day. And I wrote it to sing on a picket line with the with the garbage workers. And, you know, so it was the first time I wrote a song that made me feel like it was useful. Your newest album is called Leap, and, and it's got 18 new songs on it, right? They're all yep. new songs. And uh, you released another album of new songs in 2021. Uh, it sounds another like- Another in 2020. Oh, in 2020. So the COVID pandemic has been inspiring, I guess, in some ways for you. How has it changed your songwriting? Well, it hasn't really changed my songwriting. It's made it more prolific because I wasn't getting on a plane every weekend. I wanted to have some kind of creative outlet and songwriting has been that for me, certainly. And I guess, what did I learn? Um, I learned that maybe that's my primary job. I'm 70 years old now. I'm not touring anywhere near as much as I used to, but I'm spending a lot more time writing. I mean, I've got, you know, I'm writing at least three new songs every week with my songwriting partners, plus stuff that I write on my own. Well, tell us about the song When You Are Dead. That's off the (laughs) Leap album. On the first album of songs I wrote during the pandemic, the last song I wrote on that album was uh, called The Night That John Prine Died. John was a friend of mine. We'd played together a bunch of times. We'd had some amazing experiences together. And about six months later, this old friend of mine called me up and said, man, that's really a great song. And he hemmed and hawed and... And then finally said, man, I hope we're close enough that when I die, you might write a song about me. And I thought, wow, this is a pre-mortem song commission. And I kind of wrote the whole song as though I were responding to him. And I like writing funny songs. It was nice to get your call the other day. All the complimentary things about my songs you had to say How you couldn't keep from crying At the one about John Prine How it was such a lovely eulogy And then you wondered just what you meant to me You teach a songwriting camp every summer in Highlands, North Carolina. Is that still going on? Oh, yeah. And, and what's the secret? Can you teach songwriting, really? Oh, yeah. I learned how to write songs the same way that I learned to play the banjo. I sought out people whose writing I admired, and I paid really close attention to them. And a lot of what we're doing in these camps was trying to get people to think about what the overall story of what they're trying to say is and have them writing on purpose for purpose 
because we grow up in this culture where music is made by specialists. We purchase our art rather than create it. So part of it is just breaking down that myth and trying to get people to take control over their own culture. I've never been the sort of cues of living on the edge. But at the quarry, I just reared back and jumped right off the ledge. My granddad used to say, if you ain't living, then you're dying. Still, I cannot be certain if I'm falling or I'm flying. There's a surprise. John McCutcheon plays the Sophia tonight, Friday in Sacramento. Then he does the KVMR fundraiser tomorrow night, January 7th, at the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley. Then McCutcheon plays a fundraiser for the Modesto Peace and Life Center at the Modesto Church of the Brethren on January 10th. And he's in Fresno on the 12th of January at the United Universalist Church of Fresno. You know, January is usually such a slow month for live shows, but not this year with so many bands back on the road after COVID lockdowns. Well, I'm the type that likes to drive. The open road unwinds my mind. Behind the wheel, I can leave my troubles far behind. So when I head south from the city by the bay, there's more than just a couple of ways to get to my hometown in old L.A. So I flip the highway coin today. So catchy, it's Claudia Russell with Bruce Kaplan on guitar playing one of Kaplan's songs about our beautiful state, Old Tejon. And that husband and wife duo are joined by Russell's frequent collaborator, Laurie Lewis, and Don Henry for a concert in Auburn. This group is the real thing, an all-star lineup. Claudia Russell, Bruce Kaplan, Laurie Lewis, and Don Henry play the Auburn State Theater January 14th. Uh, And I'm really more excited about this quartet. Brentano String Quartet playing a Stephen Mackey piece called I'm So Ugly, and it's based on an old, old blues song. And Brentano is one of the nation's premier quartets, and the band is equally comfortable with the classics as well as contemporary artists like Mackey. And the program for their in-concert Sierra show looks really diverse, including some Dvorak, the African-American composer William Grant Still, Charles Ives, the Mackey piece, and lots more. The Brentano String Quartet plays the Seventh-day Adventist Church on Route 174 in Grass Valley on January 15th at 2 p.m. And we love to whip your head around in this contrast. Here's the great Dale Watson. Fed up with trends in country music, Dale Watson founded the Ameripolitan Music Awards in 2014 to celebrate country music that didn't conform to what gets played on the radio. Yeah, music that's often ignored at the Country Music Awards. So Watson created his own genre, Ameripolitan, complete with an award ceremony. And they feature categories like outlaw, honky-tonk, rockabilly, and western swing, well represented, I might say, on KVMR. (laughs) 
Watson is at Harlow's in Sacramento on Wednesday, January 18th. Adriana, I know you wanted to go to this, but you're busy that night. (laughs) That's right. That night I'll be at Drag Bingo here in Nevada City. The National Hotel hosts it in the bar every third Wednesday of the month at 9 p.m., and I already got my tickets. My mother-in-law would have loved that. Definitely bingo. I think she would have enjoyed the drag. I am so curious to see the Lyric Rose Theater Company staging of Stephen Sondheim's postmodern fairy tale, Into the Woods. Uh, my neighbor is a violin teacher, and she's in the Pitt Orchestra, and she says it's sounding great. Lyric Rose is a brand new company here in the Twin Cities, and we're wishing them success. Into the Woods continues through January 15th at the Nevada Theater with an abridged children's performance on January 11th. When the MCs came, tell them about their names, and to perform some ads, to smoke cocaine, to act insane. The Jizza is one of the founding members of the legendary Wu-Tang Clan, so it's kind of amazing that he's playing this month at Harlow's, a really intimate venue. Gary Eldridge Grice, a.k.a. The Jizza, a.k.a. The Genius, is considered the spiritual head of the Wu-Tang Clan, perhaps the most influential rap collective of all time. Jizza is on tour performing his 1995 solo album, Liquid Swords. Uh, the Jizza performs at Harlow's Friday, January 20th. doing Wonder Woman, Wonder Me. I love these weird love songs and the lush orchestral pop Kishibashi builds with his violins and loops. They're really pretty, pretty songs. Kishibashi. I love saying his name. Touring with the String Quartet plays the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley on January 21st. That's music from three megastars of the classical world, pianist Emmanuel Axe, violinist Leonidas Cavacos, and cellist Yo-Yo Ma. Great soloists don't always make great chamber trios because they don't always play well with others. Uh, But these three have been working together for a decade now, and they sound so tight as they are here doing uh, Beethoven's Symphony No. 6. This is a rare arrangement for a piano trio. Uh, They're doing Beethoven's Fourth Symphony on this tour, so novelty and tradition in one. Emmanuel Axe, Leonidas Cavacos, and Yo-Yo Ma play the Mondavi Center January 24th. I'm going to be there. Should be amazing. And now for our rockabilly freakout. I got snowballs and other men who's on his way. But I ain't going to throw the old hand they close away. I got snowballs and my life is on its way. Raise a little chicken down in the yard and play. 
That's the Reverend Horton Heath teaching the gospel of rockability. Uh, Heath's real name is Jim Heath, and he always plays fast and hard. This is like punk rockabilly. Uh, it's such a nice bookend with the equally raw Dale Watson, who we heard earlier in the show. I bought a 10-inch album on Sub Pop in like 1990 because he looked so cool. The Reverend Horton Heat plays Goldfields in Roseville on January 25th. And we're also looking ahead to three concerts on the same night that are like a harmonic convergence of Americana. Uh, Michael Cleveland is a virtuoso fiddler, and he leads a really hot Western swing band called Flame Keepers. They're playing at the Center for the Arts January 26th. Meanwhile, the terrific Yonder Mountain String Band is also playing the Miner's Foundry on the 26th. And then there's a concert featuring this music. Everybody's building the big ships and boats. Some are building monuments, others jotting down notes. Everybody's in despair, every girl and boy. But when the Eskimo gets here, everybody's gonna jump for joy. A cut from Bob Dylan's 1970 album, Self-Portrait, is played by Robert Hyrant. Self-Portrait was a double album of new songs and covers, one the critics and many fans hated a lot at the time because it seemed lazy and badly recorded. <laughs> you know, it's true. Uh, Dylan seemed to be giving his devoted fans the finger. I don't think he was mocking his fans, but that's me. <laughs> Robert Hyrant thinks Self-Portrait is worthy of a revisit. He leads the Nevada City Jazz Band Tumble, and he's enlisted eight other Northern California bands for a concert to cover Dylan's album of covers. Yeah, we talked to KVMR the other day with a downpour outside, and I asked Robert what it is he loves about Self-Portrait. So I've been a Dylan fan ever since I was a little kid. And I had always heard that Self-Portraits was just god-awful. And I had never really listened to it. But the album cover always appealed to me. It's this very raw portrait that Dylan painted. Of yeah, his, an of his oil own. portrait. Yeah, and that always appealed to me. And there's another thing about it that I like that's maybe a little peculiar to me. It was all over the map. Probably his weirdest album. Right, there's old-time music, uh, like Days of 49, about the uh, 49ers in California. There's a Paul Simon song. There's old Everly Brother tunes. There's tunes that Elvis recorded, you know, old blues tunes. That's all the stuff that made him him. You've thought about this music a lot. You put together an album in 2020 with the same bands to commemorate Self-Portrait. So that would have been its 50th anniversary. So tell us about one song that you really love on this album. I love the song Wigwam. Wigwam is an instrumental. It's just a really weird, cool tune, and uh, that's that's the tune that my band Tumble covered for the album. I love Little Moses by Boston Ravine. That is so good. Oh, thank and you. Way by the water so blue The babies were winding their way While Pharaoh's little daughter went down to the water To bathe in the cool of the day before it was dark, she opened the ark and found the sweet babe that was there. Now that song appealed to me because the album is also a benefit for the Young Center for Immigrant Children's Rights. 
And that is an organization that helps unaccompanied children that show up at the border. And of course, if you think of the story of Moses, Moses was an immigrant child. He was being raised in a country that he didn't belong in, a country that his people were were made slaves in. And unlike most gospel songs that talk about Moses, this story was about him as a baby and about him being well cared for under harsh circumstances. So to me, it resonated with the immigrant children theme. Robert Hyrant leads a concert in tribute to Bob Dylan's self-portrait along with his band Tumble and Boston Ravine, plus Flounder, the Moore Brothers, Mark Grodin, and others at the Nevada Theater January 26th. Just before COVID shut down the music touring industry in March of 2020, I drove to the Mondavi Center to see this singer. You've been through the mud Well, through That is all that you can do When you've lost everything But your sense of humor It is true I just adore Cecile McLaurin-Salvant with her velvety, velvety voice. Uh, She's always challenging listeners as she explores odd corners of the great American songbook and then wanders very far afield. Just so much imagination and heart. Uh, So at McLaurin-Salvant's concert in March 2020, the place was barely half full with audiences freaking out about COVID, rightfully. And she deserves a much bigger crowd for her Mondavi Center show January 27th. I'll be there. The ground is sinking to where the water used to be all across the San Joaquin. We're going to Elko now, deep into northern Nevada, for the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering. Agriculture's deficit spending leveraged into fortunes for California's kings. This side of the Sierra's divide, it's always been boom or bust, flood or drought, nothing normal in between to bank on. But drill more wells for nuts, almonds and pistachios, another million humans to farm like cattle, corral and cubicles they can't afford. With the nature of California, paradox or conundrum, a constant battle. The California rancher and poet John Doffelmeyer reading a few years ago in Elko. The Cowboy Poetry Gathering is celebrating its 38th year at the Western Folklife Center, a place for cowboys and cowgirls to gather around a virtual campfire, tell stories, and sing songs about Western life. And a common thread is the landscape. Brad McMullen manages the Poetry Gathering. And what are cowboys, if not being out in beautiful Western landscapes for long stretches of time? And what are they going to do but put that in verse or, or to music, which is just really poetry with, you know, playing a guitar, stringing a fiddle along with it. The Cowboy Poetry Gathering is actually so well-loved by KVMR DJs. The late, great Michael Babiars from Back 40 Radio and his wife Jenny were fixtures. This year, Jenny is going alone. Chances are she'll see other KVMR DJs there, like Larry Hilberg of Saturday Morning's Back Roads. Michael used to say, let's keep those Western traditions alive, and the gathering aims to do just that. The Cowboy Poetry Gathering runs January 30th through February 4th 
at the Western Folklife Center in Elko. Among the musical artists this year, Hot Club of Cowtown and Rambling Jack Elliott, perhaps the last living man to play with Woody Guthrie. I love that poetry is featured in this episode, the most democratic of arts. And here in California, we have a new poet laureate, Lee Herrick, who we talked to via Zoom. Herrick teaches at Fresno City College and University of Nevada, Reno. And now he'll be advocating for poetry and inspiring a new generation of California writers. I'm going to try to be as present as I can. I've received a lot of invitations to read around the state, whether it's a poetry festival or a book club or a state prison. Years ago, I went to community college and one of my professors there had us read an article by William Soroyan about Fresno. Mm. And it made me switch my major to English because Mm. he wrote such a captivating story about raisins. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this is really amazing. So that there's so much literary action in Fresno. Fresno State's Juan Felipe Herrera served as the U.S. Poet Laureate a few years ago. What makes the city so literary? Yeah, having Juan Felipe from here, a previous U.S. Poet Laureate, Phil Levine, a recent United States Young People's Poet Laureate, Margarita Ingle, is from here. If I had to answer what it is about Fresno, I think that Soroyan's experience as an immigrant, the farming, the heat, These are all things that poets in Fresno have either inherently or they migrate to it very naturally. I can't speak for others, but, you know, for myself, I was born in South Korea. But this idea of being from somewhere else is one of the main threads in the poets that I see in Fresno. Can you read us a poem? My California? Um, I'd be happy to read My California. Here, an olive votive keeps the sunset lit. The Korean 20-somethings talk about hyphens, graduate school, and good pot. A group of four at a window table in Carpinteria discuss the quality of wines in Napa Valley versus Lodi. Here, in My California, The streets remember the Chicano poet whose songs still bank off Fresno's beer-soaked gutters and almond trees in partial blossom. Here, in my California, we fish out long noodles from the pho with such accuracy you'd know we'd done this before. In Fresno, the bullets tire of themselves and begin to pray five times a day. In Fresno, we hope for less of the police state and more of a state of grace. In my California, you can watch the sun go down like in your California. On the ledge of the pregnant 22nd century, the one with a bounty of peaches and grapes, red onions and the good salsa, wine, and japche. Here in my California, paperbacks are free. Farmers markets are 24 hours a day and always packed. The trees and water have no nails in them. The priests eat well. The homeless eat well. Here in my California, everywhere is Chinatown. 
Everywhere is K-Town. Everywhere is Armenia Town. Everywhere, a little Italy. Less Confederacy. No internment in the valley. Better history texts for the juniors. In my California, free sounds and free touch. Free questions, free answers, free songs from parents and poets, those hopeful bodies of light. California Poet Laureate Lee Herrick will be on the show Face the State on Reno's Channel 2 on January 12th, and he'll be doing readings around California and organizing poetry challenges for school kids over the next few years. We are so out of time. We're back on February 3rd for another episode of Curtain Call, and if you miss us, just download our podcast at kvmr.org. I'm Cy Musiker. And I'm Adriana Kelly. And And this this is Curtain Curtain Call, Call, coming coming to you from from KVMR-FM, Nevada Nevada City. City.